0: Storehouse Dallas. Jesus, I just thank you for this message. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in your body right now. I thank you, Father, that we're in the midst of an incredible shift and that you are shifting your people um, into uh, the things that you have not only called them to do, but the people that you've called them to be. And so we we just celebrate you this morning and we bless you, Jesus. Bless you. So this morning, um, I want to talk to you about a pretty heady subject. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, the shedding of innocent blood, right? Um, And the reason that I want to talk to you about this is because, um, uh, you know, the wheats and the tares grow up together, right? That's what the Bible says, you know, that evil and righteousness will, they'll grow up together, and um, and knowing and being able to rightly discern as believers and having a and I hate to say this word because I feel like it's so overused, but having a biblical worldview and having and and seeing the world through the lens of God and the lens of the Word instead of the lens of of our emotions. And so you've got these two things that are combating each other right now. And it is a biblical justice message, which is uh, which it is. From God's word and then you've got a social justice message and they both sound so similar and um, but one is really led by unrighteous emotions and the other is led by the word of God and the righteousness of God. Don't you know that we serve a God that is merciful and compassionate and more merciful and compassionate than we could possibly ever be. It is a supernatural mercy that God has, and he cares for each one of us. He cares over nations. He loves us, and he knows how to grow us up and, and, um, and so that we can come to the fullness of his love. So, considering that we are in a vo- voting season, I really want to talk to you about this. Because I I believe that there are issues that are upon us, and we really need to be wise in this hour. Um, Eugene uh, Peterson, how many of you know who he is? He's the man that wrote the Message Bible incredibly wise man, and, um, and he was asked a question about the church being relevant today, and he immediately shot back, and he said this. He said, relevance is what the Nazis used, and it has no place in Christian life. You see, during the time of Hitler's Germany, what he did is he came with a message that was a social justice message. And it began to woo the people, even the people in the church. And he began to communicate to the church that the church needed to be like the world in order to win the world. And I'm convinced that as long as you believe that Jesus died so that we could start a religion, then you're going to think that we have to compete with the world in order to win the world. But if we believe the truth, which is the truth of the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus died to recreate a human race of, 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 of man and spirit together, then we know that there's no competition. That once we begin to apprehend the truth of who we were created to be, everything else falls short of that and we and the the world will begin to look at us going what must i do to be saved see the church is not supposed to be relevant but we're actually supposed to come and take dominion to take authority to be salt and light and i've heard it so several people have told me oh, well, the church doesn't really belong in politics. I'm like, what are you talking about? The church belongs everywhere. Everywhere. Every single aspect of life. Certainly the aspect of government, because this is going to rule over our lives and it's going to determine the laws of the land. And if the laws of the land are not righteous, guess who's going to be held responsible? It's not going to be the politicians. It's going to be the church. So if the enemy wants to take down a nation, what he does is he first has to silence the church because the church is the one that stands before God on behalf of what the nation does. And the nation will go in the direction that the church determines it will go. And if we become silent, if we allow ourselves to be silenced, then what happens is that the world will begin to dictate which way this nation goes. So I want to talk to you about voting. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I am going to tell you how to vote. Um, The Revenue Act of 1954 established this little thing called a 501c3. 1954. 501c3. So we're a church, and we're a 501c3, which means when you give to us, that means that you get a benefit at the end of the year on your taxes, right? And so the the concept is it would promote you to give to charities and give to the church and that it would promote you to tithe, to encourage you to do that. But you know, for like, I don't know, I don't know, like 4,500 years, (laughs) there was never a tax code around. And people gave, they tithed, and they gave. Why? Because they they were obeying the word of God. They were being obedient to the word of God. And they realized the blessings that were associated with it, and it had nothing to do with what I fill out on my tax statement in March. Or October. (laughs) Come on. But, I mean, really, who do we serve? God of the IRS. I heard it said recently by a politician that if the, this tax code of 1954, the Revenue Act, if that was abolished, it would actually set the church free, and it would awaken the voice of the pulpits in America to begin to preach the truth to the cultural issues of the hour. We would talk and we would we would talk about purity and we would talk about holiness and we would we would address things like, I don't know, um, homosexuality and, and abortion and and you know, issues of the day. And so the people could hear the truth of what the word says, not so we could go and, and be angry Christians, but so we can go and love people out of the places that they're at, right? So, I'm not going to stand here and say, uh, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. What I am going to tell you is that as a nation, we were designed to be a republic, which means that we look not as a, at a party, but we look at people. We look at these people who are supposed to be statesmen and we say, I want to know what is your values? What are your values? What do you stand for? I want to look at your life and I want to see if you're somebody who can actually represent my values because the truth is, is that I'm supposed to be in the will of God. As, as uh, John was saying, the Lord woke him up. You have free will and my will is going to be as much as I possibly can and as much as you possibly can we can I'm going to try to align with the will of God. And so it's like, if I'm going to align with the will of God and I have a representative out there, he better be aligning with the will of the people or the will of the church so that I can live a prosperous and peaceful life. And my children and my legacy will be blessed and my nation will be a sheep nation when Jesus returns to the earth. So I want to talk to you today about the three important measures that I believe are uh, that will ensure God's blessing on a land. And somebody told me, well, it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter. Um, But I will tell you, if you look biblically, you can see that um, God has commanded us to steward the land. And in doing so, if we, if we fail to steward the land, he is going to take the land. You can look at the nation of Israel over and over. And, and when they did not properly steward the land and did not follow his commands, then he came in and said, all right, well, you're, I'm going to put you in a 70-year timeout, and I'm going to let you think about what you did wrong, right? Right? So there are three things that I believe that the word tells us are important measures of God's blessings and living in peace and prosperity. And the first is our position and protection of the nation of Israel. God's word says in Genesis 12:3, I will bless those who bless you, meaning Israel. I will bless those who bless the nation of Israel and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in all of the families of the earth shall in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. And as Isaiah 60, verse 12, the nation in the kingdom that will not serve you, the nation of Israel shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. Uh, The second um, most important measure of God's blessing of living in peace and prosperity is obeying the commandments of God. And so, like John was speaking of this morning, when you hear his voice, this is worshiping him in spirit and truth. When you hear his voice, what are you doing? Are you responding? Are you looking at the word of God and what the word of God says about everything? Here's our plumb line. Here's how we measure everything in our lives. Every single answer, every single solution is found in the heart of God and found in the word of God. And the third thing, and the third most important measure of God's blessing and living in peace and prosperity, and this is really what I want to talk about this morning, is the shedding of innocent blood. And you may think of yourself, that's a really weird way to phrase that, but that's actually what the Bible calls it. Um, shedding of innocent blood does two things. Uh, the first thing it does is it fuels the demonic. And I want to talk to you about this because I have had a personal experience with this. Um, and I want to tell you that testimony in a minute, but there was an interview of a guy named Zachary King, who was a satanic high wizard. And, um, he, he was interviewed and the interview is called abortion is a satanic sacrifice Um, It fuels their demonic activities and it gave them power. These Satanists that he was involved in, this satanic church, what they would do is they would go into these abortion clinics and they themselves would perform the abortions They would get these girls pregnant and they knew within nine months they could have a sacrifice. And so they would go in and they said they couldn't legally kill a baby outside of the womb, but they could kill a baby inside of the womb. And so they would wait until the ninth month and they would go in and they would kill the baby in order to get the baby's blood. And as long as they had that sacrifice, they knew that it would fuel the curses and they could get what they needed from Satan in order to influence and to advance their cause. And he said, and I, the, the, the article went on and talked more about some of the most horrific practices that happen. And listen, this is church, and I hate to, you know, but I mean, this is, we got to quit being so naive. We think everybody's like us, but they're not. And so we're in a battle, and we have to understand that we are in a battle, and the battle is raging, and it's not just about, oh, let's just all sing kumbaya, which I've never actually sang that. (laughs) Don't know the words. I don't know. We think that abortion is a simple solution to a social problem, but it's actually fueling a demonic realm over a whole culture. Um, and 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 you know, if you want things to be harder in your life, um, then I'll tell you what, vote for somebody who is pro-choice because what happens is that it will ensure that the shedding of innocent blood will continue and that it will fuel the demonic. And so we've got more and more warfare. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to make things easier. After we hosted the national call with Lou Engel back in 2012, uh, man, that was a crazy year. It was a crazy year. I had a principality show up in my room. I do not recommend that at all. I mean, it was, it was not good. And so it was a national call for the the ending of abortion in America. And so when you begin to, when you begin to do warfare at that level, on a national level, coming against something at that level, I mean, there was a lot of warfare over our church that year. Do you remember, Lindsay? Um, So anyway, after the Esther call and you know, just such great success. We really felt like we had apprehended what we needed in the spirit. There was a bill that was put forth by um, Governor Perry, and um, well, not by him, but but one of the senators. But he was the one that was really behind it. It was called HB two. Um, and what it was is it was a bill. They knew they couldn't go directly against abortion, so what they did is they said, we're actually gonna raise the standards for these abortion clinics so that they have to adhere to hospital standards. Well, what happened in the process is that went through, uh, so during the time that the bill was being done, Sharon was there, all the Pordashians were there, right? We were all down there. Candace, you were there, weren't you? Yeah, so we are all, um, all right, you all know what I mean by Pardashians, right? (laughs) Um, So we're all there, and... uh, I was so shocked at at what we found. I mean, we're going down there. We'd been through the Esther call. I mean, we were prayed up. We were fasted up. We'd been fasting like 120 days that year. And I mean, we were walking in so much power and authority. So we go down there, but I was so surprised at how many witches were there. And you know, when the witches show up to a party, something's happening in the spirit you know and and so it was in their advantage that this would not pass because if it did they had less power to operate under and do the the things that they do to operate in the demonic because the the, the shedding of innocent blood will fuel what they do and so we had a we literally had a showdown and, and um with these witches down there and um and it was just incredible what was happening. I mean, we would start worshiping. We took a team of worshipers down there and we would start worshiping. He would start playing the drums and we're just praising the Lord right out there and they literally would put their fingers in their ears and start screaming at the top of their lungs, "Stop playing that song!" And I mean, it was it was uh it was fun. <laughs> kumbaya <laughs> anyway the point is um, is that they're not there they're not going to fight over something like this unless they need it to bring down the church and advance their cause in the earth um, so it was kind of an Elijah and the prophets of Baal moment um, You know, the witches understand this biblical principle of blood actually more than the church does. And we don't offer our children... We don't offer our children to demons, and we don't think that that's a thing. You know, we're not out there like like the Molech in the Bible. We're not taking our children and putting it on the altar of Molech and burning them alive, but we're doing it in the womb where we can't actually hear them scream. But they are. They feel pain. And so we're, it's, the same, it's the same result, but it is on the altar of convenience instead of the altar of fire. Because we don't want to be inconvenienced where we've gotten so incredibly selfish. We don't want to be inconvenienced by these children. And I say that with the greatest amount of... Um, compassion and mercy. And I'll tell you why in a minute. The shedding of innocent blood also, the second thing that it does is it pollutes the land. You see, blood has a voice. Abel's innocent blood cries out from the ground. In Genesis 4.10, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen. He's speaking to, to Cain. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Surely the blood requires a blood judgment. God so highly values humanity that he actually protects humanity with a severe judgment over the shedding of innocent blood. One of God's names is the Avenger of Blood. In Genesis 9, verses 5 through 6, Surely your lifeblood I will demand for, surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it and from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man's blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. Psalm 106 said this, they, the Jewish people, even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood and the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with blood. Verse 40, therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance. The thing about the shedding of innocent blood is that that jesus provided a way for the blood of the of the shed, the shedding of innocent blood to be cleansed and he did it through his own blood god always had a remedy and today he has a remedy with a group of people who have said not on my watch and not in my generation Who have said, "I understand exactly what's happening here." Therefore, I am going to take a stand, and I'm not just going to take a stand by by praying and interceding. We have we have a justice set every Wednesday night. We pray for life all the time. Why? Because every day, yesterday, three thousand babies were murdered in the womb. Tomorrow, three thousand babies are going to be murdered in the womb. Those are 3,000 lives that have been destined for a purpose, and those lives will no longer achieve and go forth and realize the thing that they were created for. Every day, 60 million babies in America. That's beyond a generation But God has raised up a priestly ministry in Elijah just as he did with Ahab and Jezebel when they had a religious system that legalized the shedding of innocent blood. And what did Elijah do? He went right before Ahab and he took them on and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? How long are you going to say yes to this and no to this? The thing is, is that we've got words that are floating around and people that want to say one thing, but then they do another. We elect people who have the smooth words to our itching ears and we're like, oh, yes, listen what he's saying. I'm so emotionally connected to this man or this woman because their words are so smooth to my ear. But yet you have to, we have to be wise. We have to say, what are they actually doing and what is the history of what they've done? Because unless they, they declare that the Jesus is Lord of their life and their hearts have been reconciled back to Jesus, then we know that the things in the past are going to be what's in the future. Amen? So we have to pray fervently and we have to vote righteously. I do not believe That we can, I can, personally for me, I believe that when I stand before God, he will say, what did you do with your will? Who are the people you not only put over you and your family, but you put over your city? Who are the people that you elected over your nation? Because I'm going to hold you responsible for that. I'm going to hold you responsible because when they make, um, um, laws that murder children, or when they make laws that support Planned Parenthood, which is a demonic organization. You know, all those witches that were just in New York putting curses on Kavanaugh? They gave the money to Planned Parenthood. And one of the witches that was interviewed, they were asked about it, and she said, Well, because that's where true sacrifice happens. It's like, you just said that out loud, you know? They're beginning to get uncovered and they're beginning to get brazen in the things that they say because they don't even care. They don't care to hide it anymore because they believe we're still asleep. So again, I'm not up here saying, listen, you need to go vote for this party or that party. But what I am saying is that If this is important to God, it needs to be important to me. And we've got to start thinking from God's perspective and not our own emotional perspective. I've pretty much determined that 99% of my emotions are wrong. But God never is. So I know I can trust that, you know? And it's like, well, I I don't know about this thing or that thing. I don't know about the wall, and I don't know about this, and I don't know about the taxes, and I don't know, but God knows. So I'm going to pray and get his perspective and his heart on it, and then I'm going to look in the Word and say, well, what would you say about this? Because I really want to do what you're telling me to do. I really want to vote how you're telling me to vote. I really want true biblical justice, not social justice. So, as we conclude our time together today, um, I want to just talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about, um, for those of you in the room who have had an abortion, or um, for the men in the room who have paid for an abortion, or and I and I, I can tell you, um, I have personal experience with this because I personally had an abortion, and um, I can tell you I understand the shame that is associated with it. It took me nine years for the words to ever come out of my mouth, and I thought if I said that it happened, I thought. I would literally turn to ash and die. It was and is and will always be the greatest regret of my life. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't wish that I had that child in my life and in my arms that I had braided her hair and watched her ride her bike for the first time, walked her down the aisle, you know. All those things that are such markers and memories for our children. And there was a whole host of reasons why I did what I did. But none of those reasons outweigh the weight of the regret that I feel. And had I known Jesus or even people in my life who could have given me wise counsel, maybe I would have made a different decision. And so I think that each one of us has an obligation to speak the truth and love to those who are in difficult situations. And as the church, I believe that we've got to start signing up for adoption. We've got to start being the solution. And I've heard so many people say, you know, who are pro-choice, well, what are you going to do with all these babies? Well, we're going to take them is what we're going to do. We're going to adopt them. And we're going to raise them as our own. But, you know, I remember um, uh, the first time that I was in a church service and they talked about this. It was Lou Engle, actually. God, that man used to make me cry more than anybody I know. But I remember him, he had an altar call and he said, you know, I really believe that today is your day to deal with this and you know it's interesting as i as i knew that god had forgiven me i mean i knew that that i was forgiven by god but i hadn't forgiven myself and so i was holding on to something that i couldn't even barely say i'd never told anybody in my family and 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 i remember lou saying if you've had an abortion or if you paid for an abortion i want you to come forward and so this morning i just really believe that the lord really wants to do business with us and he really wants us to to leave this behind today that we could start the healing process and there is a healing process it has taken me and i don't know i mean i i used to not even be able to talk about this without absolutely going into travail, but I feel like my heart has finally gotten healed, and I know that I'll spend eternity with my daughter, but I can tell you that even telling Samuel this years ago, he was like, I don't know, seven or eight years old. I remember his um, reaction is he just started crying, like wailing, crying. My seven-year-old son. He was heartbroken that he would never know his sister, that there was somebody that actually belonged to him too, not just me, not just the child's father, but, but also brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles, and, and so it, it just affects the whole community, we're all a web that's connected, you know, and I, I sixty million. And so I just really want you to pray. I just really want you to pray, and I just want to open up. We're going we're gonna to have a team that comes up front. In fact, I want them to go ahead and come up now. And let's just go ahead and put some worship music on. And I, I just, if this is, and let me tell you something. It was so hard for me to come forward. It was so hard for me to confess. It was so hard for me to say, you know, I did this. But I really want, if God's speaking to you, if he's touching your heart, I really believe that this morning is a time of, of healing, of new beginnings, of hope. And so we're here for you. We're here to pray for you. And I just want you to really think about this when you're voting. And I want you to think about it long term. I want you to think about who we are as a generation who we are is a family of affection, a family all throughout the earth, that this is important to God and it's on his heart. Therefore, it should be important to us and it should be on our part and we should be protecting these babies. So Father, I just ask, why don't you go ahead and stand? So Father, I just ask in Jesus' name that you would come God, this is such a hard thing. God, I pray that you would change our minds and we just repent when the culture and society has said something is legal. But that very thing is, it tears your heart. That you even said, Father, in your word, in in, uh, Jeremiah, that it never even entered your mind that we would kill our own children. God, I pray this morning, God, that that you would just forgive us for not aligning our minds and our lives and our voices with your word. And God, I ask this morning that you would set us and you would drop a plumb line of your word and your truth into our minds, that we could be rightly aligned with the will of God and the word of God. Father, I pray God that everyone here, God, that you would move on their hearts and they would see it not only as a privilege, but an obligation to go and make their voice heard at the ballot box. That not one person would would think that they cannot do it, or should not do it, or, or that it doesn't matter, God. I pray, Father, that you would move on this generation, God, that they would begin to wake up to the reality of, of, of these babies, Father, and that this would be the primary uh, place where the church takes a stand and says, no more. Father, I thank you that this generation is your answer, God, and that you're moving on us. That we are your remedy. We are your remedy to what ails the earth. And I thank you, God, for raising us up, making us strong, God. And I thank you, God, that you, are, that you are, are putting in our mouths the truth that is weighted in love and mercy and kindness. But, God, we will take a stand in this hour, and I declare it so that evil will be pushed back and no longer can have a voice in this nation. And I thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.